Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Natural Man Podcast is intended as general information for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or a diagnosis of any kind or as a substitute for medical treatment. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to replace the advice of or treatment by any physician. Do not rely upon any information to replace consultations or advice received by qualified health professionals regarding your own specific situation. If you suspect that you have a medical problem, you are urged to seek competent medical help. The Natural Man Podcast and its representatives and agents disclaim any liability for any negative or other medical or other outcome that may occur as a result of acting on or not acting on any information contained in the podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the host and all guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast and at the website of the Natural Man Podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Natural Man Podcast. This is the Natural Man Podcast. Very good question, Mike. You are really thoughtful. Well, thank you. Thank you, Stasha. And you know what? I'm so glad you're back. I mean, you're you're such a great guest. You provide so many insights. I love the research you do. It's it's I keep saying this and I sound like a broken record, but it's groundbreaking because uh, no one else is really doing the same research. Like nobody else has really investigated vitamin D and B vitamins the way you have in relation to sleep. And it's very obvious that that we need vitamin D for a good night's sleep. And when we get D deficient, a lot of us have sleep yep. issues and people just aren't checking those those markers and they, they need to because, um, you know, some of my functional medicine doc friends tell me that th- the majority of their complaints now are yeah. insomnia, which is just insane. Like it's like the whole world's forgotten yeah. how to sleep. You know, and uh, so I love the research that you do because you're putting a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. And I know sleep is complex. I know there's so many different aspects of sleep. There's cortisol, there's melatonin. Um, you know, there's there's research now saying that, uh, um, ah, forget the name of that neurotransmitter, um, histamine, elevated histamine has an awakening, uh, a, a waking aspect to it that keeps people from sleeping. So there's so many different triggers um and so it's important to investigate this stuff at the depth that you're doing and you know the last time we had you on we you know we discussed we were going to go into more vitamin b related material but then we just went on this amazing b uh, d tangent once again so it was almost like a part two to the first time the last time you came on um you know, talking about vitamin D because there's just so much to cover. Like, it's like we have to do a whole series yes. to get through this. Am I right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, I'm just, I'm glad you're here and and let's try to dive into B vitamins today. You touched on this last time. Um, your research has shown that they are also essential for optimal sleep. And I want to go into that a little more in depth today. Um you know, I know you lecture other physicians regularly and you educate a lot of people on this, but how do B vitamins fit into the overall sleep picture? Um, 
this is going to take us a little while, but the, there is one of the B vitamins, B5, that has been completely overlooked because in the uh, 1970s, someone decided that um, there is no B5 deficiency because it's in every food, and that's wrong. That's, that, it's not in any food. If you go back to the original articles, the original articles who were doing the studies in this were measuring coenzyme A. They were not measuring B5 when they looked at the food. So B5 turns out to be directly <clears throat> part of making uh, acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is one of the really important neurotransmitters that we need to pay attention during the day and to sleep at night. One of the things we mentioned about D was that D, when it goes into the brain sleep switches, it makes the final enzyme, choline acetyltransferase, that's used to make acetylcholine. But that enzyme needs two things in order to have its actions. It needs choline and it needs coenzyme A. And B5 is needed to make coenzyme A. So oddly enough, when medicine decided in the 1980s that if you have a good diet, you don't need vitamins. So there was just a, an arbitrary decision that we were, medicine was no longer gonna take responsibility for vitamins or teach about vitamins. And it became uh, the purvey of the other practitioners. This is a bizarre attitude because every single one of the vitamins is a integral component of our biochemistry. But when medicine decided that, it was before the D deficiency epidemic happened. So one of the things we mentioned in the prior two uh, interviews was that D is a hormone that actually is necessary for the right species of bacteria to live in our intestine. When the D went low, there was a second thing that's just as important, which is that we lost our microbiome. We lost the species that make the B vitamins. So ultimately, we always have two things. Nobody gets sick from just a D that's low. In my experience, they only get something wrong, including sleep problems, whether they're aware of them or not, when their D goes low and their microbiome undergoes a change. That means it's always a deficiency state of both D plus the B vitamins. The second thing we're going to talk about is that all of the B vitamins really come from the bacteria in our belly. They really don't come from the food. There are probably ones that have some aspect of their supply from the food, but the majority are actually all supplied by the bacteria in the belly. So when you lose those, you lose all eight of the B vitamins. And if you haven't thought about it so far, why would there be one thing called A and then eight things called B and then C and D, etc.? So there's an interesting thing in the background, which is all the B vitamins always came as an intertwined packet of eight different, actually very interdependent chemicals for our biochemistry. And they're supplied by this four specific phyla of bacteria. And those, that foursome existed on our planet and supplied each other with these eight chemicals called bees. They were bacterial growth factors. So that piece, I'm not the first one to actually think about that because there's another article from 2015 that came at that from a different direction. But it's not widely accepted yet. The people who are writing about the B vitamins and their absorption say 
thiamine, B1, has a colonic bacteria source and a food source. Riboflavin, B2, has. So they're mentioning that it has two sources, but they haven't had actually the courage to step forward and say, wait, could it be that all of these all, all actually came from the intestinal bacteria? And that means if you have a change in your microbiome, you will then be variably deficient in these B vitamins. So should we not need B supplements? I know that you've found them useful in your practice and in, in the different therapies that you um, have uh, given to people. But if we have the right microbiome, right, right. do we need those? You're so smart. <laughs> so my, that is a great question. That's the proper question then. So if that's true, why would we ever need to supplement? Okay, and that was my question. Right. I entered the supplement field being someone who believed that if you if you don't have anything wrong with you, you don't go to the doctor. Okay, yeah. and what I want is the you know I'm a physician. I've been practicing for a long time, but when I get to the age when I'm going to have to take those pills I've been giving out like candy, I don't want to take them. <laughs> so I've always been really healthy. That also means that my lens that I look through the world and I see health versus disease. My view is what my life was, which was I played outside and I didn't really have much wrong with me. It's not that I don't have any disease, but that viewpoint is very important. Okay. One, all the other animals on the planet don't take supplements. They have exactly the same biology that we have. The dinosaurs had the same biology we have. That's 250 million years old. Those biochemical pathways that allow us to sleep, the anatomic area of the brainstem that allows us to sleep is identical in the dinosaur. Now, that means that one of the reasons why medicine said if you have a good diet, you don't need B vitamins back in the 80s was because probably nobody really did. Now, to say nobody is incorrect because there are certain subgroups that were presenting with a loss of their microbiome and low D that weren't recognized as such. Old people and women who'd had pregnancies. So one of the things that we learned in medical school was that gallbladder, this sounds like an aside, but it's really an important concept. Gallbladder disease happens in women who are fat, flatulent, fertile, and 40. And that means women who'd had four or five babies had all these other things. They had obesity. They had inappropriate gas. They had smelly gas. They had all these things that were actually because the babies ate up their vitamin D. As their D went lower and lower on their fifth pregnancy, they then lost their microbiome because they didn't have enough D to supply the baby in utero and keep the microbiome alive. That low D then caused gallbladder disease because D and cholesterol are the two emulsifiers or dissolvers of the bile acids. So they made gallstones. Now, what that means is there were populations for the last, you know, thousands of years, including old people. So old people have things that are directly related to these also. Old people get problems with constipation. They get smelly farts. We make jokes about dogs <laughs> that as they're old, they have smelly farts. Okay. Yeah. That means biologically we have adapted to expecting that stuff. Okay. Now, 
still your question is why would we ever need B vitamins? Very good question. Here's what happened. I stumbled into this completely by accident. I gave D for two years and then the sleep was better and then it fell apart. And because some of the symptoms that the patients had were so peculiar, burning in the hands and feet, and this woman walked in and gave me a book about B5, I would never, there is no logic to these things that happen. They were completely by accident. So she walks in with a book about B5. It's about inflammation. It's a, a layperson's book that's written about the fact that she had rheumatoid arthritis. She was giving 400 milligrams of B5 to other people with rheumatoid arthritis. And what she noticed was that their pain got better and their sleep got better. That's why the woman brought the book to me. By the time she brought it to me, I was desperate because I was getting worse again. My D was still perfect. My patient's Ds were perfect, but they were failing again. Their sleep was getting bad, and these two women had burning in their hands and feet. Burning in the hands and feet is extremely rare. These two women were on B12. So right off the bat, I had seen that very, very rarely. And my job is a neurologist, and I am a peripheral neuropathy specialist. That means it just doesn't walk in the door very often. And those two women got the same symptoms within a month of each other. That means I was perceiving this as, oh, I'm asking their brain to sleep better and heal, but it looks to me like we've induced another deficiency state. I had no idea why they had burning in their hands and feet. I had no answer for them, but this particular book that I'm talking about with B5 has references. The references are in the 1950s and they are about this lab that's running experiments at the Iowa State Prison. So they're doing these creepy laboratory experiments that become illegal in the next century. Hmm. I mean, sorry, in the next 10 years. In the 1960s, it's now illegal to do experimentation on convicts. And they do these weird things like they give them these blockers of particular vitamins. These are really important studies, but they're done in small amounts and they're done in this creepy way. Yeah. So. They give a blocker of pantothenic acid, and within two weeks, four things start to happen. One, they have this funny puppet-like gait. Their balance goes off. Two, they have belly complaints. Three, they can't sleep. And four, they get burning in their hands and feet. This is just B5 so, being blocked. This is B5 by itself. They're just blocking B5. Wow. Now, the book, so what I have is a situation where I'm so desperate that I'm actually willing to go towards the B vitamins, because I'm still in the mindset that you pictured, mm -hmm. which is, oh, our intestinal bacteria, in fact, I didn't even know that the bees were made by the bacteria. You know, at the time, I didn't know anything about bees, nor do I know anything about the GI tract. I'm a neurologist, right. you know? Yeah. So at the time, I'm doing something that my colleagues think is really weird with this D, but D is a hormone, so I haven't really even stepped into the vitamins yet. But because I'm desperate and I'm focused so much on sleep and I'm thinking if we don't fix this sleep stuff, everybody's going to cycle downward again, including me. So I go to the vitamin store and I look for pantothenic acid and it comes as 400 milligram tablets. And that's the amount that she's giving in the book as well. But at the time I walk in there, I happen to go through the B complex section. And the only thing I recalled from medical school, and keep in mind, I do this like on a whim, 
and I haven't really read about the B vitamins yet. So I'm feeling very insecure because I don't have any information in the background and I'm not an expert in this area. So I go to the B complex and I remember if you give one B, you should give all of them. Yeah. But I don't even know how many there are. So then I go through all the B complex and it's a total disaster. There's some that has three, there's some that have five, there's some that have five and a C. And then by accident, I find B100. And B100 is something that humans made up. B100 is all eight Bs. It has 100 milligrams of some of the B vitamins and 100 micrograms of the ones that are given in those microgram doses. And it often has choline and a few other things in there. Now, what that means is somebody has applied their intelligence to this in the past. Somebody had mastery over this idea of giving all of them. And on the shelf is B100, which is all 100 milligrams, B50. I happen to pick up B100. And the reason why I'm doing this, and I'm, it's only because I do not have branded vitamins, okay? I am not an expert in that. I don't like the idea of charging people for stuff that should be free, like walking outside and getting D. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not knowledgeable. And I... So I give recommendations. I don't hand them a bottle. So I don't want to say, take a B complex and this 400 milligrams of B5. Instead, I have just learned that the dose and the blood level of D makes all the difference. That means, oh, I better know what these people are taking in terms of the dosing. And the only way I can really arrange for that is to say specifically, this is a non-proprietary. That means it doesn't matter what brand it is. It'll still have 100 milligrams or 100 micrograms so that we have a constant amount. So I go home and I take B100 and I take 400 milligrams of B5 because I'm doing the same protocol they are. And I have this very peculiar buttock pain. Like the muscles of my butt hurt when I sit on a chair, hmm. which is extremely peculiar. I have no injury. I'm still running. doesn't hurt when I run. So I take this combination, and starting on the Monday, I start giving this recommendation out to all the people who've had sleep studies that are abnormal, who have now come back and are being followed by me for various things, and they're starting to fail their sleep again, and their pain is coming back. And the pain is of various kinds. Those two women had burning in the hands and feet. Most people have joint pain or back pain, things like that, often things that they've had in the past. So I give out this recommendation, but by Friday, my restless legs is infinitely worse. So this stuff has made me now jump around like a jumping bean all day, which my restless legs is very controlled with the medicine I take. If I take it, I don't, I don't have it at all. So by the end of the week, I'm like, uh-oh, this has made me worse. This is maybe a dose effect. And this is all, think of the coincidence there. If I don't have something that is really prompted by this B5 to get worse, I won't notice. And then, so I notice I'm a lot different. I stop the 400 milligrams of B5. And then in a day, my buttock pain is completely gone and my sleep is great. Huh. And frankly, that, because it doesn't fit with medicine's viewpoint of what's going on, was really weird okay and i'm i'm already thinking my colleagues are going to think i'm completely crazy they already do <laughs> then my patients start to come back so i've only given this recommendation to about 40 people over one week but as they trickle in remember that the dose in this particular book was 400 milligrams and the reason why she wrote it 
was she said, these people have better effect on their pain and their sleep gets better. Well, my patients come back and say, see this 400 milligrams of B5? Were you trying to kill me? I'm like, no, what happened? And they all report the same thing in the same phrasing. Hey, this is Mike C. And we want you to know that we only endorse products we truly believe in. We're an affiliate of best-selling author Dr. Carolyn Dean's RNA Reset Products, home of the famous Remag Liquid Magnesium Supplement. So when you go to RNAreset.com and make any purchases using the coupon code NATURALMAN, we get a commission. So if you like what we do, this is one way you can support the Natural Man podcast. Make your purchase now at RNAreset.com using the coupon code NATURALMAN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I got so agitated. I got so revved up. I couldn't settle down. Wow. And I couldn't sleep at all. It is a completely opposite effect from this woman who had enough lay people that she'd given it to that she got her stuff together, got herself a ghostwriter and wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's no one else writing about those effects because what you just heard me say was there are these references in the 50s that say if you block panathenic acid, you immediately get insomnia. That means that just like with D that I'd gotten really good with, too little B5 and too much B5 has the same effect. Wow. Well, that's mind boggling, number one. Yeah. Number two, some of these people, you know, fired me. They said, you should know better. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's the only dose sitting on the shelf. You know, it's innocently sitting on the shelf at the vitamin store. Now, the first thing you should think is, one, how could B5 be in every food if 400 milligrams under certain circumstances would make you immediately insomniac? Yeah. People are going to notice that. Okay. So one, it's not in the food in that form anyway. The second weird thing is as a neurologist, this stuff is acting like a drug. This is acting like an amphetamine. This isn't going immediately in, in the dose I've given going up into the brain and having an effect like that's freaky. Like, shouldn't there be some like biologic process that puts the brakes on and decides when to secrete this stuff? This is really weird. Mm -hmm. Now, so many of them came back. So about 30 of out of the 40 come back and say the same stuff. I had insomnia. I stopped it. Several of them did the same thing I did. They stopped the 400 milligrams of B5 and they stayed on B100 and they came back and said, you won't believe me, but as soon as I stopped this 400 milligrams, my pain went away in a day. Really? And my sleep got so much. Yes. And the and B5, like, how much B5 was in the complex? Because it was still in there. It's 100 milligrams. Wow. Okay, it's 100 milligrams in the, in the pill yeah. of B100 because it's got 100. Okay, so now in the background, so I'm saying, yeah, that's what happened to me. What do you think is going on? Because I don't have a clue. Okay, now I'm reading about B5. 
the only big literature about B5 that's referenced by the woman who wrote the, that lay book was that B5 makes coenzyme A that makes cholesterol. No, sorry, that makes cortisol. Mm -hmm. So all the references and all the scientific literature between about 1950 and 1975 is about using B5 as a way of treating autoimmune disease. So her uh, a knowledge about this as being related to autoimmune disease was based in the scientific literature. There are all these clinical trials using B5 in combination with pyridoxine or B5 by itself in people who have autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, etc. And they were usually not successful. In the background, with my now uh, focus on the fact that one, I think the people who have autoimmune disease always have a low D and they've lost their microbiome. So they don't get to an autoimmune disease until that's happened to them. And it's usually many years of those two being present before the immune system finally fails because autoimmune disease is not normal. It's never normal. And it is usually has a genetic markers but you can induce it in probably half the population under certain circumstances. That means, one, the immune system was never, ever supposed to attack ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's a long process of the immune system trying to modify things and make, so in the background, one, this dose, way too high. It worked great in her patients. Now, what's different about my patients? There's only one thing different. They've all been on D for two years. So that suggests that there's a synergy. Somehow D and B5 intersect somewhere. Okay, so for two years, I'm stumbling around doing it completely clinically from my experience and other people's experience. In the meantime, I'm thinking, I'm reading this these articles. So in 2013, I'm reading an article. This is when it happens to me. I'm reading an article published in 2011 where he says, hey, thiamine has a colonic bacteria source and a food source. He's reading every single one of the eight B vitamins and saying they all have a source from the poop. And so I think, well, what my patients all have IBS. So and their and their diets have not changed. OK, something happened. And those two women with a burning two days later, they have no burning. Okay, dramatic response. Now, they weren't taking just B5. They were taking B5 plus B-complex. Now, in the background, though, that means we have clinical evidence suggesting that I can actually make someone B vitamin deficient by giving them D and pushing their brain in the direction of sleeping better and healing better. We have been told that one, you can't hurt people with B vitamins. That is incorrect. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can. Two, that you can never overdose with them because we pee out the excess. And that is incorrect. We actually have physical stores of those vitamins. I don't know if we have full documentation, but it looks like we have documentation of thiamine, B5, and B6 stores. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows where those hang out. But based on my clinical observation, we absolutely have stores of those vitamins. And there, there's a saturation like, level with B6 too. Like when I take uh, yes. when I take B6 and I I take too much, like over time, because I cycle with it myself, I'll start noticing that that feeling in the uh, extremities, like in the in the fingertips. Um, so I'm assuming right. that I'm saturated when that happens, right? 
you may be doing something that is actually affecting B5. So there's another complexity in the background, which is huh. you, are, you have another question that we haven't gotten to, which is what happens if we give individual vitamins? Right. There's a long history of B6 overdose causing burning in the hands and feet. So when that comes in the door, that's one of the things you look for. But what if we subscribe to the idea that all of these Bs are actually interconnected? So if you give one out of proportion to the others, you are likely to deplete. And so what you're looking at there is not completely clearly B6 overdose versus B5 deficiency caused by overdosing the B6 in proportion. Which is causing the, the so, tingling? Yes. Interesting. Because the B5 blocker that they gave also caused tingling in those people that they did those blockers on. So uh, as a neurologist, the only thing that I was aware of was B6 overdose, okay? Mm -hmm. But I, I'm suspicious about that because in actual fact, clinically, B12, B5, B6, and B1 all are actually interacting together. They all have interactions with the neurotransmitters. And clinically, what I see is sometimes it's really not about the B6. It's really that you've induced a B5 deficiency in response. Because, And I don't have the biochemical pathway clarified on that one, but we'll come swing around to that at the end is when we talk about what B6 does. Like, mm -hmm. well, what are we using it for, okay? So do you mind if I go back and finish out? No, the no, no. We're, we're all over the okay, place, so, Stasha. Sorry, but there, there's so much to cover. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So one... My final conclusion was, okay, my patients have IBS at least a third of the time. I didn't have what I thought was IBS, but I had had a huge change in my GI tract, and I knew exactly when that was. It was age 35. I stopped being able to eat big steak, and I happened to eat a big steak and a huge roasted garlic, like a whole garlic <laughs> uh, head, and I thought I was dying. <laughs> And I had not had any trouble with that before. And it turns out when you lose your microbiome, specific species that can handle sulfur-containing moieties, you cannot eat garlic anymore. And really bad stuff starts to go on in your belly. And I happen to have a fair amount of friends or family members who had that experience. Mm. So even though I didn't have IBS per se, I know that there was a specific time in my life when that changed. Now, if you look at it that way, one, there was no change in diet in those two gals with the burning in their hands and feet. That means, really, it was that her, their microbiome was not right, whether they had symptoms or not. Now, in the background, because of Walter Stump's publications about the fact that D has uh, receptors all over the GI tract, I naively thought that giving D and getting really good with the dose was going to bring the microbiome back to normal. So I knew very little about the GI tract, but I knew that most of these people who are constantly com commenting about IBS, I was taking probiotics, they're taking probiotics or trading recipes. And so I knew that that was a time linked to the D deficiency. It started to be reported in the 80s, just like the sleep disorders. Now, what I obviously saw was that the D that I'd been given for two years did not bring the microbiome back to normal. This is circling all the way back to your original question. Mm. Why would we ever have to take more bees? So then my conclusion was, okay, if the bugs didn't get happy again, just by giving them D, 
what on earth do those little guys want? Why are they being so picky? And what if these eight chemicals, all called bees, were really bacterial growth factors? If they all come from the bacteria, well, why are the bacteria giving them to us? They're probably not. They're probably trading them. They're probably a symbiotic for phyla. And what had happened was my husband handed me this article out of the Economist Journal that actually talked about the fact that there are four specific phyla and that things like, gee, if you do a gastric bypass on a mouse and then you take the mouse's poop and you give it to the next mouse that's sterile, the second mouse loses weight. Hmm. Those sorts of things that are now being accepted as, oh, yeah, fecal transplant, you better find out if the person who's donating their poop was fat or skinny because that's what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Those things hadn't really become, that was 10 years ago now, those had not become common knowledge. But at the time, there are all these things that are linked to what happened to my patients. Like with D alone, they did not lose weight. They felt better, they exercised more, but they didn't lose weight. That means their microbiome is not coming back to normal. And it really turns out that the microbiome is the most important piece of this whole bit of information. This is really why I have a website instead of just a handout about D. Yeah. So. I'm sitting there with these patients who have terrible things, okay? They don't have like, oh, my foot itches. They have, I can't sleep and I have terrible pain. So I better figure out what I've done to them by two years of D. And we have this wonderful event where B100 makes the pain go away completely. And I'm thinking, you know, this kind of means probably that if all the bees come naturally from the microbiome, that B100 is pretty similar to, it might be not be exactly what we get, but it's pretty similar with what the microbiome would usually produce. Hmm. So that's the first idea. The second one is maybe if we're supplying, what we're really doing with the both D and this B100 is we're making this soup of bacterial growth factors. The bacteria that we take, that we buy 60 bucks worth in a line, won't do anything. You'll just swallow it and poop it out unless you give it the bacterial growth factors it requires to make millions of daughter bacteria cells because they're dividing. It's like a big river of bacteria. Mm -hmm. When you think of it, you're looking at the top of the small intestine. Two minutes go by and that group of bacteria are now moved down. So you're still looking at a pile of bacteria, but it's not the same population was there even five minutes ago. So if you think of it that way, then you have to say, oh, these guys require these eight growth factors and each one is making at least one bee and requires some other bees. And in fact, there's an article written in 2015 that looked at it from that point of view that made the hypothesis that these four phyla exist in our belly and all other mammals because they make these bees. And they looked at it through what we have in the computer as the genetic footprint. Because the other thing that was fascinating was in 2013, the quote in the, um, in the Economist Journal was, we have, two, we have 200 species, individual species living in our belly but only 2% have ever been grown in a Petri dish. Hmm. That means we have their genetic footprint because we can easily get that. But we never actually looked in a Petri dish to what makes them happy, what helps them grow. We don't have the specific knowledge 
that we would have because we didn't recognize what their growth factors were. So you needed to add that to the medium that you grow them in, in order to be able to grow them. That's now being done. Okay, so other people are recognizing that D is a prominent growth factor for bacteria. And we can talk about the history of that. It should have been obvious. And it probably was obvious back in the 30s and 40s. But that knowledge has not moved forward. So in the background, what the bugs need is a D over 40, a blood level over 40. And they need these eight growth factors. And then what happens is you've put that into the GI tract every single day. You're making this Petri dish, this bee soup, and that means it favors the regrowth of all the good bacteria. So it turns out, I'm thinking, you know what? I just put a bunch of people on too much B5. Yeah. And when the natural bacterial growth comes back to normal, all of a sudden, they're going to be on twice the dose they need and all of this stuff is going to come roaring back and they're going to fire me again. Yeah. So picturing it that through that lens, I started to say, look, I'm really glad that your pain is better and your sleep is better. But listen to me about this. In the next several months, if I'm right, and this is a hypothesis, sometime your bugs are going to get really happy and they're going to be there producing the normal dose that your nervous system wants and you're going to be taking my b100 on top of it and all that pain and sleep interruption is going to come right back if that happens i need you to stop this b100 so it happened exactly three months i went on the b100 for four and a half months so at four months i started to feel like i had the flu at four and a half months, I started to feel really old in the morning. I would be very, very stiff. Mm -hmm. And one of my patients says to me, you know, you started me on this B100. She had headaches. Started me on this B100 and I took it and I woke up in the morning feeling stiff and old. I was like, that's what I feel like. Really? And this was she daily? Said, yeah, I broke this it. is from daily B100? Absolutely. Huh. Yes. Now, keep in mind, she's on D with it. Yeah. Because if you do B100 by itself and you are not increasing the D at the same time, the response is very, very different. Remember that gal gave 400 milligrams to all those people mm -hmm. and they didn't have a problem. They liked it. Okay. So she said that B100, it made me stiff all over and I broke it in half and I went to B50 and I feel fine. So one of the things I observed was remember that I and all of my patients had been on D for two years. That means we've actually pushed our body into a deficiency state. If she's only got some daily headache and she doesn't have lupus and all these other things, and she hasn't been on D pushing her body to use up her stores, she may have only a partially affected microbiome and she may have a mild B vitamin deficient. So then I started to use B50. So the workbook uses B50. Now there are lots of other, interesting observations about people who go to the naturopaths are immediately started on D and B100, which is very common in the naturopath treatment. And they're right. But here's the problem. If they don't stop it again at three months, then they go back into the same set of symptoms they had when they first sought the naturopath. Now, the natural response to that is, not, oh, I was better and now I'm worse again in exactly the same way. The natural response is, oh, I knew it wouldn't work. And that means they aren't really 
being able to see this peculiar thing, which is B100 plus D is the right thing to do with most of the people who walk in the door of the naturopath if their D is lower than 40 and if they had all these complaints that most people have. It's the right thing to do. But if you don't stop the B100 at three months, then what happens is they wind up with me where their D is 65, they still have insomnia, they have burning in their feet, and they have tingling or whatever. And I have to try to convince them that that B100 that they're taking is what's really stealing their sleep away. Because too much and too little is exactly the same. Yeah. So the naturopath has, that's the one thing that's hard to give these lectures to them because they know that they've done something terrific when they give those two together, their patients get better, no question about it. Yeah. But the concept in the background that we really shouldn't, so your first question was the really pivotal one, then why would we ever have to take B-complex? And the only reason why you have to take it is to prime, give the, the original bacterial Petri dish in your belly the starter, the starter combination that it needs to grow back. Okay, then you better stop that B100. Now, there's a lot more to this story than that, because it turns out that there is then three months after you. The reason why I have this workbook is after you stop the B100 at the end of three months, three months later, if you continue D, if you continue to sleep well, if you have really, really good sleep, there is a phase during which your brain says, hey, I just slept the best that I have in 20 years every night for the last two months. And I'm, pick, I'm making up a story here because I don't really know why this happens. And my theory is uh, uh, my brain has just done every single thing on its nightly maintenance list. And it then says, if you would just give me a few more of these building blocks, which are the B vitamins and other vitamins mm -hmm. that I need to put myself together, I can do some deferred repairs. I can do some of the stuff that I only do once a month. I can actually reverse disease, okay? <clears throat> now, that turned out to be the case for everyone who does this program. And I'll tell you what happened to me. This is not logic. To me, this is still freaks me out. Like, because your question, why would we ever need more bees, is still mine, okay? <laughs> and I, frankly, I don't think that... If you, if you look into the literature about hunter-gatherers and what are their D-levels, their D-levels are in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. But you're studying a population that we're making an assumption there. Until the, unless the population is elderly, they've never been D, profoundly D-deficient because they don't even have a hut. They sleep under trees. That means that the level of D that I'm suggesting that you need in someone who has had a sleep disorder may be higher than what you would need if you never had a D deficiency. Okay, there, there's some logic to that. So I think that what we're doing when we go to a D level of 60 is we're actually having to supply extra for us to be able to see this physiologic response with the sleep. Now, the second piece of that is then my claim is, if you never let your D drop below 40, then you'll never lose your microbiome. And I say that arbitrarily because most of the people that I were in my, in my practice and now in my, my clients 
and D's in the 30s and below. So I think when we were still living outdoors, we would still have a D level that would vary between 40 at its lowest and going up to 80 at its highest. And it would normally fluctuate throughout the year if you lived in Oklahoma, let's say. But it would never stay below 40 for long enough for you to lose your microbiome until you got to be about 70 years old. And then your efficiency in making D for the same amount of hours of the day that you spend in your garden raising your own food, the efficiency of making D goes down so that there is almost a guarantee that as you get into your 70s, your D will go low, you lose your microbiome, and then you'll start to suffer from all these things like hypertension, high cholesterol, pain, etc., and you'll go to your doctor. So in the background, there are other a few other questions prompted by that, okay? So one, once I do the right sleep program and I take these this B100 or B50, and most people in this program, I'm encouraging them to do B50. And then I have a little piece in there where I'd say, if you still have pain, and it should really say pain and sleep interruption, then try B100. So if you've been sick sicker longer, you may, especially if you've been on lower doses of D, like 2,000 a day since COVID, you've actually are duplicating what I did in the beginning. I was giving D by itself. It's not doing nothing. You may not feel any different, but it's actually feeding your deficiency state and it's making these biochemical requirements that need the Bs so that you may have actually pushed yourself to be B vitamin deficient. And I have many clients now that have a timeline, a very accurate timeline for, okay, I went to my doctor for XYZ, I started on D, and three years after starting on it, even though I haven't done my D levels any more than once a year, I started to have XYZ this new thing. Like I've got joint pain, I'm now seeing the rheumatologist, they told me I had lupus. So this is a very common occurrence, and it's going to happen around the globe within the next 10 years. And the frightening part is what happens to that person is not a purple horn growing out of their forehead. If it was a purple horn growing out of their forehead, they would go, damn, what's happening to me? Yeah. I mean, this is something completely unique. It's never happened before. Medicine doesn't have an answer for it. Therefore, we go looking for it. No, instead of that, what they're going to get is joint pain, back pain, burning in the feet, diabetes, sleep. Dis they're going to have all the things that we have named and found treatments for over the last 200 years. Because this has been happening to all humans, all history. This is an old, old disease, but we said it was an old people disease. Mm -hmm. So old people, their teeth fall out, their hair falls out, they get rheumatism, their GI tract stops happening, they get constipated, they're up at night wandering around, they have a gait disorder. All of these things have a mechanism, but we haven't viewed it that way. We've just said, oh, those are all things that happen in old people. And the only reason why I know that is once I'm on this D path, I'm seeing people in the hospital who say, my teeth started 40 years old. My teeth started to fall out one year ago and they have all fallen out over the last year. And their D is like 10. Oh, that just and hurts to hear that. Hospital. Yeah. They're in the hospital, not because their teeth fell out, because doctors don't pay any attention to that. They just assume this person, it must be some awful redneck who doesn't do things right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Medicine, it's really frightening 
the way that people see people who are sick and then you start looking through this D lens and you realize it's not because they smoke or drink. And in fact, they never smoked or drank, but people look at someone who's toothless and think, man, they must've come out of some trailer court. Yeah. Okay. They make social decisions about them. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing that as physicians and caregivers so that we won't have to feel the emotional upset and fear that this is going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. We think that we can therefore control. So if I don't smoke and drink and I don't live in a trailer, you know, I mean, it's it's very, very weird the way things feel differently when I walk into a hospital, once I see it this way. So this guy is in the hospital with all of his teeth falling out. He has no medical insurance, but he's a software engineer and he's in there for five other things. You know, his heart valves are just dissolving Mm -hmm. because his heart valves are these soft tissues that need D to keep the fibroblast. So he has very serious medical conditions and trying to get another doctor to understand that that's because his D is 10 is impossible. It's, I've been doing it for a long time and we can, you know, we went through the politics of that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. in the background, so we're going to stick with the bees here. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment and see if you have any other questions. (laughs) No, it's all good. There's so much to unpack there. And, um, we got about 10 minutes left, but you know, I'm going to be bugging you to come back. Right. You know that. Yeah. I'd love to tell you more about this. Okay, cool. I think there's so much to to delve into. No, there's there's a lot to unpack, and I'm just trying to even get my bearings in in everything that you just shared. Let me go with the the questions you've asked, and I'll tell you just briefly the answer. One, B5 is not available from food. Coenzyme A is in every food, but we don't – it turns out the bacteria are the only source – this, the only source and supplements. Now, the other thing you said is a lot of adrenal fatigue specialists push B5. They're right, yeah. but the problem is that, as we talked about, or maybe we didn't, B5, co- coenzyme A is necessary for cortisol production. Coenzyme A is also linked to our ability to make glucose from the liver. That means these same people have big drops in their blood sugars, they have cortisol screwed up. So B5 by itself is a deficiency state that has an array of presentations. Coenzyme A does a hundred different things. Mm -hmm. The most prominent one that the person can see right away is a sleep problem, but it doesn't present in the same way for most people. The most common presentation is I wake up at 3 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep or my sleep is interrupted after that. But if you get uh, enough deficiency, then you'll just not be able to sleep also. And that's B5? You're tying that into B5? Absolutely. Hmm. So the reason why the adrenal fatigue specialists use it is because it's effective. Now, the problem is when one of my patients who brought back, or clients, when they brought back their, their microbiome and their D is 65 and they go to the naturopath and they try that adrenal fatigue, now they give them 350 milligrams of B5 and all of a sudden, boom, they can't sleep. The problem is that most of the people who have that effect couldn't sleep before Mm -hmm. because too little and too much feels the same. So they don't attach it to this pill. It just says adrenal fatigue. So one of the biggest difficulties for me is to really, you have to get good at reading what's in stuff because not all of the adrenal fatigue have B5 in it. 
there's no, you know, there's no regular regularity about that. Yeah. So I also had patients who were taking 350 milligrams of B5 when they walked in the door and they've been doing that for four years. And I said, look, this stuff is going to be messing up your sleep. And they say, I don't have a single problem with my sleep. What do you make I of that? Go, okay. What do you make of that? Well, so the clients in whom that's the case, one, the per particular person I'm thinking of is 85 years old. He has no signs of Parkinson's disease, but he's coming to see me for a tremor. Mm -hmm. That's not really Parkinsonian. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the B5 dose that he's on, in my view, has actually treated his deficiency state. The other thing I didn't tell you at the beginning, if we, if we flip back to, remember I gave 40 people the recommendation to take 400 milligrams of B5 plus B100. Yeah. 30 of them came back and yelled at me. But a few of them, like the two ladies with the burning, they were really happy because it went away. And then there were two guys that came back about six months later that had both to me looked mildly Parkinsonian, not enough to bring it up, not enough to start medicine, a little tremor, a funny facial change, a little gait disorder. These guys were both on CPAP for a sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. They're still on 500 milligrams of panothenic acid. They're still on B100. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. I've ruined these guys. And I say, how's your sleep? Great. Hmm. I'm like, Oh, this is weird. They're still on, you're still taking this 400 milligrams. Yeah, I feel great. And they have no tremor now. And they feel better. To me, that means there's this other thing, which is, oh, could Parkinson's disease be related to acetylcholine deficiency? Yes, absolutely it is. There is a whole 10-year phase of Parkinson's disease where they are acetylcholine deficient first, and then the dopamine deficiency comes later. So we even had actually the opportunity to show the chemical pathways or talk about, so what is this B5 and D doing? B5 is necessary to make acetylcholine. That means all of these observations about ADD, about the GI tract being uncomfortable in IBS, about not being able to sleep, about Parkinson's disease, about autism, those are all related to acetylcholine the formation and the ability of the body to make the right amount of acetylcholine so we can concentrate during the day and sleep at night. If you look into the literature about all the sleep disorders, one of the things that's a constant is if you measure the autonomic tone, we're in sympathetic overdrive. So the sympathetic side uses epinephrine, norepinephrine. Mm -hmm. The parasympathetic side uses acetylcholine exclusively. We've been taught that we are in sympathetic overdrive because it's the modern world and we're all under stress and we're not sleeping. What if my body lost the chemical ability to make the juice that runs the parasympathetic side? Mm -hmm. Then I will, I, I'm really running around in sympathetic overdrive because I don't have the chemicals needed to make the rest and digest side of the nervous system work correctly. So I have a whole bunch of slides that we could discuss or it won't help if we're in podcast, but I have several other lectures where I go through the chemistry of when you do D, you're going to need to add choline, which surprisingly is in the B100, and you're going to need to have B5 and bring your microbiome back. And then there are several things that happen in the timing after that. 
this is something that would fit really, really well into the naturopath. Um, in fact, I have trained some naturopaths who figured, who really understood it. Like mm -hmm. they were, oh, okay. That's why so-and-so got so much worse in the fourth month. Yeah. So if they're thinking about the patients who fail and the timing of that, then they open the window. If they're, they're, if they're thinking about the fact that they have success with it, they won't be looking for, oh, well, what about Mr. So-and-so that was better and then he's worth it, worse again? Yeah. Do you think that because B5 is, uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, B5 is a precursor to cortisol, which is why um, adrenal fatigue specialists always push yeah. B5. So if we're in a hyper, you know, adrenal fatigued state, if we're in like sympathetic mode all the time, if we're not sleeping, if we're stressed, if we're wired and tired, which is a famous symptom of that. No. We're in that state, Mike, because we are lacking in the neurotransmitter that would have balanced the system. Mm. Okay. And so is B5 helpful in those instances with some people? Absolutely. It fixes it. This is a fix for all the autonomic dysfunction. It's a lot deeper than that because if we get into this more deeply, you'll see that epinephrine and norepinephrine in many people are also probably low. So is yeah. dopamine. So is serotonin. Because when we lose the microbiome, we lose factors that are made by the bacteria that manage our iron stores. Mm -hmm. So we not only lose acetylcholine, we lose several other neurotransmitters so that you can become depressed and have autonomic dysfunction. There are different sets of neurotransmitters, but they're both linked back to the necessary parts of the microbiome. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. And I, I hate to say it, but we're out of time. <laughs> um, you will come back because there's so much more I wanted to cover. Um, would love to have you back so we can dive into more of this. Awesome. Well, Stasha, thanks for being here. Uh, Dr. Stasha Gomanak, you can, uh, what's your website to share with people? drgomanak, D-R-G-O-M-I-N-A-K.com. Okay, great. And we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, thanks for being here. And um Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Natural Man Podcast. Make sure you check us out. Subscribe to us, and you can jump on our website, naturalmanpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Mike C. Stay healthy. The Natural Man Podcast. Check us out, naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 
Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.